Amen, amen. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praises shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and, and let us exalt his name together for I sought the Lord and he heard me <laughs> and he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man. Anybody trust him this morning? You ought to trust him because he allowed us to come together just one more time. That if you got breath in your body, you ought to give him praise. Made death behave, you ought to give him praise. You ought to thank him. Thank him because he worthy to be praised. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the very name of the Lord is worthy to be praised. Amen. Amen. More than anybody. We ought to be people who can give God a one more time praise. Somebody was sick this week and you made it to church. You ought to be able to give him a one more time praise. Somebody had death in their family, but you're still thankful that God is good. You ought to give him a one more time praise. In this very poor economy, because God has paid your bill, given you what you need, you ought to give him a one more time praise. Amen. 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 So, so I can get preliminaries out the way, fathers, happy Father's Day. Amen. 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 Happy Father's Day. Romans chapter 8. <laughs> Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Beginning with verse 1. Romans chapter 8. Beginning with verse 1. From the English Standard Version, the word of God will read thusly. Therefore, there, there is therefore no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin condemned sin in the flesh that's the, where we're going to end today. God sending his own son 
in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, condemn sin in the flesh. Some years ago, as part of our marriage ministry, we were reading and studying through a book called The Five Love Languages. And if anybody who has had any significance in marriage or really any relationship, you learn that your partner and or those whom you love, they speak languages of love. But oftentimes, as you grow and as you develop, you learn what those languages may be. Not everybody speaks the same language of love. The premise of the book really was about how people communicate and that you have to have the sense or the ear to understand what is their love language. And if I could help you all out, I figured I'd bring you an example from my own life. I didn't talk this over with my wife, so y'all pray for me and make sure I make it home today. But me and my wife, just like many folk, we speak different languages of love. And one language that we speak uh, concerning love is kind of the different things that we like in life. That my, my wife likes us, and I do too, I love for us to be together, but we like different things. And my wife speaks a language to me. She will tell me on the first occasion that I have to go to the mall. <laughs> and I'm not really fond of the mall, but I'm fond of being with her, just not fond of the mall. But she'll tell me one time I have to go to the mall and then a little while to go by and she'll get ready a little bit and she'll says I'm going to the mall I said well babe be careful <laughs> when you go to the mall and then she'll say it again uh, the third time she'll say I'm going to the mall but then there'll be a follow-up to her mall conversation. She'll say, are you going with me? And what I've learned over the 25 plus years that we have been together is the first three statements were really a setup for the last question. Are you going? to the mall because really what she's saying is I'm going to the mall but I want you to go with me the second time she says I'm going to the mall but I want you to go with me the third time I'm going to the mall but I really want you to go with me but then she just gets bold and asks are you going with me I haven't prepared in any kind of way. I'm still laying in the same place I was laying when she asked me the first time. But her love language is, I want you to go with me. 
But there's another language that we have learned together. And it's really been an encouragement for my own life because we even speak languages differently theologically. I am really kind of square, y'all. I know I don't look like. I look cool and calm and got swag and everything, but I'm kind of square. And I love to talk theology. I can talk theology with the best of them because I love it. I love theology, and I can talk about soteriology, and I can talk about eschatology, and I can talk about philosophy and these things, and I love it, y'all. And, and, and I, it is such a grateful thing when I can talk about it with somebody else. But my wife, she's a theologian too, just like many of you. But my wife, I, I talk, if you will, in the realm of biblical and systematic theology. But my wife is a practical theologian. Come on now. And when, when I talk a lot of times, she'll say, well, I, t- I say, uh, babe, I, I got to teach this week or I got to preach this week. And then I, she'll say, well, what are you preaching? The great interrogation. <laughs> what are you preaching? And I'll say, well, I'm preaching on condemnation and she'll say she'll simply look at me and say well how in the world is that gonna help me (laughs) don't miss it don't miss it my wife says at the end of the day theology can be a beautiful thing but if it ain't working out in your life it don't really mean too much and my wife has a theology that I love y'all we have learned we've been together a long time and and things have started to happen in life and we're just like anybody else don't you know that we were both still saddled with sin we are have an intimate relationship with iniquity that we have both done the tango with our transgressions and so have you if you're looking at me a funny way Life has a way of bringing things to you that makes you wonder if God is really still with you. Come on now. That we still have challenges. We still have financial issues. But here's what I love about my wife. And this is a love language to God. All these things. She'll say, babe, we got to do this. And we got to do that. This is going on and that is going on. And it seems like a pile of just stuff is coming up in life. But then when she gets to the end of it, she says something to me and she said it really to God. She said, but you know, it's all good. And that's what I want to tag this sermon today is that even when you have calamities in your life, even when you have trouble in your life, even when sickness comes upon you in your life, I need you to be able to look yourself in the mirror and look at God and say, I know I got all this stuff going on, but you know, it's all. It's all good. It's all good. And. For a long time, it was really colloquial between me and my wife. But when she says it now, I get encouraged because I've learned and we both learned that God is in the business of taking care of his children. And Paul deals with this text in Romans. He lets us know that we, even though the bad things have occurred in our life, 
and are occurring in our life is still all good. Uh, and part of the reason I think we miss the goodness of God is because we really don't know how bad it was. Paul, for seven chapters, pontificates on how bad we were in our state of being. In chapter 1, he actually says, for the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness. In other words, you and I fall into the category of all unrighteousness. For it, don't you know, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are in a situation where we've been all unrighteousness. That's chapter 1. He lets us know that even some folk are so unrighteous that he gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's chapter 1. Chapter 2, he says that if all have sinned who are under the law, all will be judged by the law. And all who sin without the law, you just going to die anyway. That's number two. I'm just trying to tell you how bad it really was. Down to chapter three, he says, there is none righteous. <laughs> no, not one. There is none that does good. None that seeks after God. No, not one. He goes on down and says again, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm just trying to tell you how bad it really was. Get down to chapters 4 and 5, and God has a way of salting and sprinkling us with a little hope. And I love God. Because so, even when it looks bad in your life, you need to know there is some hope. I tell you. I, 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 it's amazing. At night, y'all, when you have a nighttime period in your life, sometimes when the night falls, go outside and see if the moon is up. You need to go see if the moon is up. Because if the moon is up, and if the moon is lit, everything going to be all right. Come on. Well, maybe you don't know like I know. The moon is not a luminary. That simply means that the moon doesn't give off its own light. But if the moon is lit in the midnight sky, that means that the sun is still shining. And is there anybody here that in your nighttime, you can give God a moonlit praise because I know that the sun is still shining. That God, he is a nighttime God too. But he gets down to chapter 6, and it's still getting bad. Because he said, for the wages of sin is death. And then he gets down to the crucible of all life, chapter 7. In chapter 7, Paul lets us know that as much as God is good, 
We can't get to God's goodness because we are so bad. Says, he says that when the things that I want to do that are good, I cannot do them because in my body, my body just won't allow me to do good. And the things I don't want to do, y'all look at them, be funny. I simply try to do them all the time. Is there anybody here that struggles in life with trying to do what God? And then he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who can save me from this body of sin and death? If you're living in this world, y'all, you on your way to a destination. Uh, just trying to get the bad news. Your steps have gotten a little shorter. The older that you get. You on your way somewhere. Your hair is not the same. The older you get. Because you're on your way somewhere. You wake up in the morning sometime and you don't know why you got aches and pains because you're on your way somewhere and did you know that your sin leads you to your death is there anybody here that knows it's sin that causes us to die but I thank God that it's all good uh, well how do you know it's all good well just like God God says I'm going to step in because I know you're feeling bad right now and I know you feel like there is no salvation for you. But he says in the end of seven that the one who can save the body of death is Christ Jesus. And then he says because Christ Jesus can save me, thanks be unto God. And you ought to give God praise. And you ought to thank God. That there was somebody who could save us from this body of sin and death. We had an older brother. His name was Adam. He gave us this body of sin and death. Don't blame Adam, though. Paul said because we were all in Adam, sinning with him. But thanks be to God, through the second Adam, Adam is really not a person name, y'all. Adam just simply means man. And I thank God that he sent another man in my place. He says, and because of that, there is therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, I got just a couple people happy. I want some more people to get happy. That if you're in the body of Christ, condemnation has to leave you alone. I, I want you to understand this, that if you're in Christ Jesus, death even will leave you alone. That you might go down, but because he got up, you will. There is no condemnation. When it came to my 
schooling. I, uh, I was a good student, and I had a decent brain. But when I wanted to do good, And so I, I struggled a bit, but, but God was still gracious. God got me into college on a baseball scholarship at a, at a school that used to be, and it was even when I went, it was a community college. And in my mind, it was a stepping stone for another place to play ball. Uh, and so when I got there, it wasn't a big reputation school, but it was a state of Georgia regional school. So every class that they gave at Georgia Tech and the University of Georgia and Georgia Southern and Georgia State, I got the same classes. And so I remember having one semester a music and an art history class. I had them separately. But then I remember I, I really fell in love with the art class because I didn't really know art, but I was learning. And I'll never forget, our teacher had us go to do to, to, to a museum exhibit down at Emory University, the Michael Carlos Museum. The exhibit was about the Etruscans. You can look that up when you get home. But I remember going to the Michael Carlos Museum. And I remember this was one of the first times I drove up on the Emory University campus. And I, I remember, I remember one of, one of my dear mentors, Deacon Gregory Lewis Bailey. He told me about Emory University and that it was Coca-Cola University. And it was a Harvard type, it was an Ivy League type university in the South. And I remember y'all going on that campus to the Michael Carlos Museum. And after I got through, I remember coming out of the museum not the same way I went in. But when I came out, I was on the Emory University quad. And I thought to myself, man, what would it be for somebody like me to go to a school like this? And the reason I was overwhelmed was across the street from the across the quad from the Michael Carlos Museum was the Pitts Theology Library. I told y'all I was square. I felt like God was the wizard and I had just came into Oz. I remember on that Saturday y'all going into the Pitts Theology Library and I remember one hour turned to two. Two hours turned to four. And before I knew it, it was dark. And little man tapped me on the shoulder. He said, sir, son, you got to leave. Because we will be closing the library. And I remember thinking, man. And I remember, this is when I'm a, a late teen, or early 20s. I remember thinking to myself, Man, I would love. And I thought, I said, well, I barely had any money. And if you know Emory University, you go down there, whether you are staff, faculty, or anybody, student, you got to pay. And I remember thinking, I went down there on a weekday, and I was like, I ain't got the money to stay here hours 
in the library. But I found out on the weekend they lifted the money band. And I know I'm, I'm, I'm of the age, y'all, where Freak Nick and all that stuff was still going on. And y'all see little old me all, all downtown Atlanta is pumping and it's jumping, and I'm at the library. <laughs> but I remember finally God blessed me to go to seminary. And I got done with that. When I was in my last quarter of seminary, I remember a, a friend in the class said, well, I have to go to see my thesis advisor. And I said, you have a thesis advisor at this school? He said, yeah. He said, when you came to the school and got your curriculum, you could actually talk to a professor who'd be willing to advise you on a thesis, and you could have done while you matriculated a thesis. I wanted to do a thesis, but it was the last semester of my schooling. And I remember feeling a little disappointed. But don't you know, here's how God works. Another friend heard our conversation. He said, Jason, he said, you know, you know, there is another degree you can get where you can write a thesis. And Emory University has that degree. And I threw my hands up to praise God for the news. But then I put my head down and said, Lord, I don't know if I can get in. But God was gracious, y'all. I got into that school. Y'all stay with me because I'm going somewhere. I got into that school, and when I got in, the Lord allowed me to, to matriculate. Uh, first of all, I got to tell you, when I got in, I was a part of a cohort of 18. A couple weeks ago, Reverend Kenny Rice, who's in this pulpit, was one of my cohort brothers. But also Reg Re Reverend Reginald Wayne Sharp was also one of my cohort brothers. And I say, God is good. Because I got two young preachers to hold me up and make sure I make it through. Well, I made it through, y'all. And God was good. And I, I thank God for what he had done. But then I remembered a few weeks after my graduation, a letter came in the mail from Emory University. And no, it wasn't a bill. <laughs> but that followed not soon, too long after. But a letter came in, y'all. And I remember, you remember my story when I started. On the letter, it said the Emory University Alumni Association. And I said, let me open this thing. And in the letter was a card that said Emory University Alumni Association. And then there was a letter attached to that, and it showed me all of the benefits of being a graduate of Emory University. And on there, it had all this stuff, y'all, all these clubs, all this stuff going on all the time. But I saw, the only word I saw was library access. <laughs> In other words, Emory said, you have been accepted. You have matriculated. 
But now you have graduated. And because you graduated, you are on the inside. And every benefit that comes with the Emory University degree comes to the alumni. I'm just trying to tell you, if you know Jesus and you're in Christ, every benefit that comes with him. comes for you. It's where you stand, but also God will change the law for you. And I know it's Father's Day, so again, happy Father's Day. May the Lord bless you real good. But I think it was serendipitous that God put us in here on this day with this text. Come on now. Because tomorrow, black folk in America will be celebrating Juneteenth. Juneteenth is our recognizing that in the state of Texas, after the 1863 Emancipation Proclamation in January, more than two years and six months later, Black folk in Texas, they were already free, but they didn't know. And I'm trying to tell somebody, if you are in Christ, you've been free for a long time. But you got to understand, God changed the law for you. So that one that lead down the path of sin and death, you don't have to worry about it no more because you got life. for the life of the spirit in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death Paul said in chapter 7 I can only do it with my mind but in chapter 8 because I'm in him I can do it with my body you and I are partakers of God's new law. He says earlier that he has written it on our hearts. That you know when you love and you know Jesus, everything changes because you have the opportunity to make the righteous decision. Now, don't get mad if you make the wrong decision. Because you're still free because the law been changed. So it is where we stand and the law has been changed for us. But then it's because God did something for us that we can do for ourselves. Come on now. Uh, for what the law could not do. In that, it was weakened by the flesh. Ain't nothing wrong with the law, y'all. Y'all looking at me funny. <laughs> I, I, I come in the parking lot every week. I know a lot of y'all got fast cars. Everybody got, yeah, many of y'all got fast cars. I see them in the parking lot. 
And you ain't got to tell me, but if you have ever got a speeding ticket, ain't nothing wrong with the law. <laughs> and ain't nothing wrong with your car. But what's wrong is your foot <laughs> and your mind. But I come to declare to you, you can actually go the speed limit because God done changed the law in your heart. You can be faithful to your spouse because law, God will change the law. Is there anybody here that knows God is a changer of laws? And is there anybody here that can thank him that I live by a new law? That, 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 that it was weak through the flesh. It ain't nothing wrong with the law. It's something wrong with our flesh. It ain't nothing wrong with God. It's something wrong with us. But then God did this for us. What did he do? He sent his son. I'm waiting for some more folk to be with me. God sent his son. Maybe ain't hitting you right. God sent his son in the same flesh that you and I got. God sent his son in the same stuff that you and I got. And what he did was he accomplished what the law could not do in us. He sent his own son in sinful flesh to be an offering for sin. Jesus lived his life perfectly so he could offer his life for you and I. Uh, So that when Jesus died, he condemned the law or the flesh. Uh, Maybe, maybe it's hard for you to understand. But but, but let me give you, and, and I'm done, I'm done. But I got to give you one more to help you out. Uh, There's a story of two friends born just months apart. Same city. They were born not too far, same street, and they become best of friends. They go to pre-K together kindergarten, elementary school together, and they, they love each other, these two friends. But when they get to middle school, one friend starts to excel, and the other friend starts to wild out. Uh, the, the friendship is still strong, but the one friend understands that if I do good in school, I can, be, I can go somewhere. The other friend keeps bumping his head. Get through middle school and going to high school and now bumping his head has become run-ins with the law. The other friend still is going on where he's near the top of his class. And now the other friend is in and out of juvenile. And because of their diverging lives, 
their friendship wanes. But they still love each other. As we have it, the other friend graduates to the top of his class, goes to college. He majors pre-law. The other friend is disconnected. He's in and out of issues and in and out of trouble. His life, he has a rap sheet. And the other friend graduates college, top of his class, and goes on to law school. He goes to law school, and he becomes an attorney defending criminals. Then he one day is allowed to become the new district attorney. A few years later, he gets on to be a judge. Come on now. And the other friend is still dealing with the law, dealing with his issues. Years have passed now, y'all, and now he is a judge in the city where he is. He is in the highest court. And one day while he's on the bench, his friend walks in Come on now. in chains. And he's done something that it won't send him to jail, but it might make him lose a lot of money. And they see each other. And don't you know the, the judge, because he's on the bench, he knows who that is. But you know, the law stands higher than the rest of us. You know, judges, they don't sit elevated because they're better than you and I. They sit elevated because they represent the law. And the law has to be lived up to. And his friend is brought in front of him, y'all, and he gets the worst, uh, the worst fine that he could give him. He sees his friend. He knows what he has to do because he knows he represents the law. Slams his gavel down. The friend is somewhat disappointed, but he knows I'm a rascal and I really deserve it. But what I like about what I like about judges is they sit in a place where they represent the law. But that friend, when he gave him his stiffest fine, he then, as the last case, he stepped down out of the judge's seat. He then unzipped his robe. And when he came out of his robe, he was back to being like you and I. And then, y'all, he took his phone. And when he got his phone, he pulled up Venmo. <laughs> cash out. And he sent the money downstairs to pay the full fine for his friend. And I'm just trying to tell somebody that the God we serve he sat high and he judged us. But you ought to thank God 
that he came down from his lofty place, put on flesh like you and I, and then he went to the cross. You ought to know that Jesus, he paid it all, and all to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but he washed. Is there anybody knows that he washed? He washed you. White as snow. Jesus just wanted to let you know that it's all good. That you are rich undone. But it's all good. You were condemned from eternity past, but it's all good. Have issues in your life, but it's all good. Because he stepped down from his place of judgment and lived a life for you and I. If you would, just stand on your feet. This is your invitation. I want to challenge you today to understand that salvation is a free gift, but it took a heavy cost. It took a heavy cost because so much bad stuff had to be laid on him. But it was laid on him because he chose for it to be laid on him. So if you don't know Jesus, where you are in your scene, I want you to know that if you give yourself to him, there's therefore no condemnation for you if you're in Christ Jesus. And if you give yourself to him, God will change the law for you. You won't be down the path of sin and death, but you'll be down the path of life eternally. Because he stepped from where he was and came and paid the price for you and I. So that is your invitation. The Bible simply says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So as our choir helped us sing, the invitation has been given unto you to come. Jesus, Come on, somebody. Oh, there, there's a prayer. Just found, come on, come on. Fountain. Oh, it's free. Yeah, Lord. It's free to all. 
it flow. Oh, I thank you. From, come on, come on, somebody. Give your life to him. place a community of faith a covering come join one of God's greatest churches in in oh be be my my glory my glory will come we can't have our own Deacon Howard Norman if he will take us to the throne of grace king of my life crown thee now Thine shall the glory be, lest I forget thy thorn crown brow. Lead me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come. God, first asking you for forgiveness of all of our sins and all of our shortcomings. Then, Lord God, we ask you to create in us a clean heart right now and renew the right spirit within us. 
Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, the songwriter said, you thought we was worth saving, so you came into our life. You thought we was worth keeping, so you cleaned us up on the inside. You thought we was to die for, so you went and sacrificed your life. So we could be free. So we could be free. Lord, we thank you that we're free today, Lord. Yeah, Lord. Free from the penalty of sin, God. Yeah, Lord. Thank you for your blood. That cleanses all of our sins away. We ask you to bless this table, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank God. your voice if you can. King of my life.
Just lift your voice a little bit, Jesus. Share with you.
tonight. The Bible declares that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, it says he took the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Take ye all of it. And in the same manner, he took the cup. He said, the cup represents the new covenant in my blood. Take, drink ye all of it for the remission of sin. says, and as long as we do this, we do show the Lord's death until he come. We don't glory necessarily in the death of the Lord, but we glory because he got up. He conquered death and the grave. And so we thank God for giving us grace even today. It will I'll just stand to your feet thank you we thank you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life has taken over the law of sin and death and God did it by sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh that in his death the flesh would be condemned so Lord we thank you even again for what you did we thank you Lord that we are no longer judged by where we stand but we're judged by who stands there for us and now Lord as we leave this place we ask that your blessing and your grace and your mercy continue to go with us. Lord, we pray in our family for those who are dealing with the bereavement of death. We pray, Lord, and lift up the name of Reverend Dr. Richard B. Haynes, our pastor, dealing with sickness. But, Lord, we know you have conquered even sickness because of your death. So, Lord... As we leave this place, stand with us and go before us. Now unto him who is able to keep us from stumbling and able to present us blameless before his glory with exceed joy to the only wise God. Be glory. Be majesty, be dominion and authority, and may it be both now, henceforth, and forevermore. And all the people of God see.
are several ways to submit your tithe and offering. Online at www.thechurchwithzeal.org slash give. On Cash App at dollar sign the church with zeal via the Givelify app by mail to Salem Missionary Baptist Church P.O. Box 817 Lilburn, Georgia 30048 or in person at the church office on Tuesday, Wednesday or Thursday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. It's not necessary to wait until Sunday to give Online, Givelify, Cash App, or mail-in contributions may be submitted on any day of the week. Thank you for your continued support of the ministry at Salem Missionary Baptist Church.